Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Before we start, I would like to draw your attention to my weekly email newsletter, Friday Focus. Each Friday, I focus on one topic with one action arising. The link to sign up is in the show notes or head over to amyrolinson.com and sign up right now. Today on Focus on Why, I am joined by Rob May. Welcome, Rob. Uh, Hello, Amy. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. It really is. And it's been a while in the making. I first uh, uh, thought about this quite a few years ago when I first met you and I was like, oh, must have you on the show. And then I don't know what happened. It's just it's just taken this long to get you on. But here we are. So let's just get cracking and dive in with my first question, which is what is it you're doing at the moment? So good question. And it's always a little bit complicated because I, I wear a number of hats so I run a cybersecurity business called Ramsack. We've been going for 32 years now. I've got a team of 100 people, and that's obviously takes a lot of my time. And it's it's a it's a passion, and it's it's been 32 years, but it really really doesn't feel like it. So that's my that's my main job. Uh, I'm also the UK ambassador for cybersecurity with the Institute of Directors. So I speak for them. I'm a a representative and comment on incidents and write course content and and so on. And I give keynotes around the world on on cybersecurity. I work with Vistage, who are a CEO training development company. And again, I'm their cybersecurity workshop expert and I I deliver those again around the world for it started just in the UK and then with lockdown that really opened up the market to deliver masterclasses remotely as as many of us found on the the current regional president with the PSA in the southeast as you all know and I I wear a number of other hats as well I, I i'm involved in a lot of things so i sit on the advisory board of the cyber resilience center i'm a fellow at windsor castle at the uh, leadership uh i'm a leadership fellow there i'm a fellow at burton and south derbyshire college where i champion employability and i do a number of other things as well just because you know uh, I've got lots of time, clearly. <laughs> wow. I mean, usually when I ask that question, what is it you're doing at the moment? I get a couple of things and, and maybe someone will go into some deep focus on a, a specific thing. I'm not sure I've ever had someone who has had so many roles with so many different elements and organizations. And and wow. You said that cybersecurity is a passion. Clearly, it's also a profession. How have you 
been able to merge the two without the expense of either? That's really interesting as well. And I know we're going to talk about purpose, and I think it it feeds into my purpose. When I when I started Ramsack 32 years ago, my passion at that point was technology. And my passion was making technology so that people understand it. There were so many people in my world that make it a black art and try and tie people into them and their services by making things really, really complicated. And my view is if you make somebody feel comfortable and feel good about a scenario, they're far more loyal. We've got clients who have been with us for the entire duration of of Ramsack. And I, I think that that speaks to that. So back then, it was about a love of technology. Then that developed, I think, as, as the organisation started to grow, I realised that I was also passionate about business and understanding business and understanding not what makes business work, but what makes people work, understanding what motivates people on on both sides of the equation, actually, both in terms of staff, but also in terms of paying customers. You know, what is it that motivates them to make a decision? What what is it that they need? What needs do, do they have to be fulfilled and so on? And a number of years ago, I did a business retreat, which was actually around purpose, which was fascinating because we we explored over a couple of days. It was a journey to discover really when you were most alive, when you felt on, you know, at your happiest and that you were contributing most and and just everything lit up for you and I realized that that part of that for me uh, I started thinking well it's about speaking and um and I love speaking and you know I, I did a I did a TEDx talk a number of years ago and that was a fascinating journey as well and maybe we maybe we can explore that but um I realized how happy I was when I was doing that and what a buzz I got. So it started and I thought, well, is my is my purpose to speak? And I thought, no, that can't be. That that doesn't that doesn't make sense. But I realized that what I really loved was when you see the penny drop. When you're trying to explain something to somebody and you see them get it and you see the impact. That that's going to have on them. Um, so my my speaking piece developed into a education piece, and realised that do you know what I really love helping people understand, and it, it it's it's education from that point of view. Now, cybersecurity is a complex subject. But there's so much that people can do to protect themselves and their families and their organisations if only they had more understanding. 
The other bit of speaking that I realised was what lit me up was when I make people laugh. And at the end of these two days, I ended up with a, a definition that my purpose was to educate and to entertain. And that's when I'm truly alive. And I think in the various different things that I do through college and through uh, the PSA and with my keynotes and, and all the rest of it, it it feeds that educating and entertaining. And again, you know, cybersecurity is not a sexy subject. So when I'm doing masterclasses and I get booked, quite often I'll have a conversation with the attendees and they'll go, yeah, really looking forward to this. <laughs> And because they just think, oh, gosh, this is going to be this is going to be dull. And my view is you can approach any subject. I mean, any talk I'm giving, I approach as a movie. And, you know, you take that. If you think of your favorite movies. They take you through the whole range of emotion. And in my talks, I always try and make people laugh. Uh, but I'll also, you know, scare the pants off them because it's a scary subject. But then you give them hope. <laughs> and and I think if you take people through that emotion of thinking, oh, my goodness, this is terrible. And then you, you show them and you tell them, well, what can I do about it? And you entertain them along the way and you show them people, you know, being silly because so much of what happens and what goes wrong in, in the cyber breach world is human error and at the end of the day we are all human and and there are there are just as many cyber experts that get scammed as you know the normal person on the street and that's because that's because they're human but for me it's i think because i defined that to educate and entertain that's where actually cybersecurity is the sweet spot. I know, sorry, I know I've I've just rambled on in in response to to your question, but how do I how do I make cybersecurity, which is a passion, fit in? It's it's just that I think I can I can educate and entertain, uh, and whilst I'm doing that, I feel alive. And is this something that you discovered? along the process or were you aware that educating and entertaining people as a child was something that you were good at i think that i always liked to entertain one of my teachers i remember one of my teachers at school saying that i had comedy tourettes and i would <laughs> i would just i would just say you know something that i thought was really funny and then Sometimes it wasn't appropriate to say that. Um, I think I I read um, I read the Chimp Paradox a while ago, and I don't know I don't know whether you've read the Chimp Paradox, but I love the model in there. So Steve Peters says that we have our human rational thinking brain, and then we have our animal chimp brain. And I met Steve Peters and I was talking to him about this. And one of the things he said is that your human brain has a sense of humour. 
and so does your chimp brain. And sometimes your chimp brain's humour is totally inappropriate, and mine certainly is. <laughs> but I think I loved, you know, right from school days, I loved making people laugh. And I think that that's the entertaining bit. I wasn't aware for a very, very long time that the, the educating bit came in. But when I analysed it and I realised that I love helping people understand that that was when I ended up with with that definition. Yeah, it's a great one. I, and liking or making your whole approach to the subject of cybersecurity like a movie. I love that as well because it's it's a very visual and it's something that we can all relate to. If you had to describe your business as a particular genre or a particular movie, have you got one in mind? Oh, good question. Well, it's it's a roller coaster, you know. I mean, it's it's so exciting the world that we work in it can be really really hard and i always say this when i'm when i'm recruiting people it's this is a hard job and people never phone you up to say just calling to say how fantastic everything is the reason people call is oh my goodness it's it's all gone wrong and uh, i and i need help or they're stressed because something's not working or or whatever. Now, thankfully, you know, the state, the the place that I'm at, I'm removed from that these days. And as much as I, I do much more big picture piece and, and the clients that I'm working with are, it, it's working strategically to make sure that you don't get those, oh my goodness, moments. But But the reality is everybody absolutely everybody will be impacted by cybercrime at, at some point. And when that happens, at whatever scale that is, you get a chimp response. To go to go back to the, the chimp paradox, when you are attacked, you get a fight, flight, or freeze response. And that's what cybercriminals know. You know, when, when cybercriminals are attacking you or tricking you they know that and they know that we all have a fear button and it's working out well how how do you press how do you press someone's fear button equally they know that your chimp is assessing everything that happens all the time and it's looking to say is this safe you know does this look right does it feel right does it smell right so what they're very good at doing is completing enough pieces of the jigsaw so that when you see a scenario, whether it's an email or a web page or a phone call or whatever it is, your chimp says, yeah, that, that seems okay. And, and it, you know, you move forward. Um, so yes, I, I, film genre, I don't know. It's just so, it, it it's hard it can then be really exciting it's really exhilarating as well when you solve problems um and you help people and, and some of these cyber incidents are are enormous you know this is this is this is serious stuff 
Yeah. And as we've experienced recently with any, well, any cyber attack, it has so many ripple effects that you probably wouldn't even notice when the, when there was issues with a postal service, you didn't post doesn't turn up at your house for several weeks. You don't put the two together, but that's what happens. Yes. No, absolutely. A couple of things, Rob. I love, I love the idea of your business retreat that you went on a journey to discover when you are most alive and working in a business which is essentially working with programs and you've got people at the end of all of this you know people are at the forefront and yet you're working with tech Uh, you you mentioned that it it was a great journey to go on in that in that essence Uh, when you were most lit up or when you were at your happiest and when you're contributing most you spoke also about your TEDx and that being a fantastic journey. Share with us a bit more about what that was. So I went, I'm a big fan of TED and uh, there's something else that I do actually that I didn't I didn't describe in, in my intro, but I run a business school within Ramsack. So training people. So for the last 20 years, I've been on at least one training course every single month. And I wanted to share what I've learned along that journey. So I created this business school within my within my own organization. And I use an awful lot of TED Talks as the basis for subjects that that I talk about within within that. And I'd been to a number of live TED events. And I remember sitting in the audience at one and I just thought, I've got to do this. I I want to be stood on that red carpet. So I went to see the organizers and said, what do I need to do to do a to do a TEDx talk? And they said, well, we'll put you on the list. And in the meantime, think about your idea that's worth spreading. Think about how you are going to deliver a talk and deliver a message that people can take away within the confines of a maximum of 18 minutes. So I went away with my name on the waiting list and I wrote a talk. And the talk that I wrote was on the power of positivity in the workplace. And I delivered it to various different places, different organizations around me that I knew where I said, you know, could I just come and do a do a talk over lunch maybe for your staff, just so that I could get some feedback and and craft my talk. And I'd done that and I developed what I thought was quite a nice short talk on the power of positivity. And then I got the phone call from the TEDx organizers and they said, do you still want to do a TEDx talk? And I said, yes, please, definitely. And I said, brilliant. Have you thought about what you're going to talk about? And I said, yes, I'm going to talk about the power of positivity in the workplace. And their response was, oh, my goodness, we don't want that. And I went, what? Why not? And they said, there's loads of stuff like that. And they said, you're the cybersecurity guy. You should talk about cybersecurity. And I said, well, obviously, I can. I talk about it all day, every day. But given that I wanted to talk about positivity, (laughs) it's maybe not the subject I would have chosen. What was fascinating is that that one little thing that the person that I was talking to who gave me that feedback and said that 
changed so many things for me. Because if I hadn't done that TED talk, you know, my my TED talk took off. You know, across across um, TED talks get published on two platforms. They get published on the YouTube platform, and then uh, hopefully they also get published on on TED.com. And over those two platforms, you know, that talk that I did has had over half a million views, and that's incredible. And there's there's nobody else who had done a TEDx at any of the TEDx Woking where I did it at any of those events that has ever come anywhere near that. And and I do think, had I done my talk on positivity, I know it was a good talk, but I know it wouldn't have reached the number of people that my talk on the human firewall um, did reach. And then that spawned, uh, that spawned a book and loads of loads of little things happened actually loads of doors opened where people said oh i've seen i've seen that talk and and again i suppose it's back to the point that i've taken the subject of cybersecurity and i'm talking about it in a way that people can relate to and people can can understand but had i spoken about positivity which again i'm i'm very uh very keen on ensuring is always within within the workplace it it wouldn't have had the same impact on me and what i do and and the places it's taken me actually and isn't it interesting that again you've connected to that human side of, of what it means for the audience and i'm making an assumption here rob are we complacent about our cybersecurity Yes, absolutely, and it's and the the there's two there's two elements to this. One is our children, who are just, you know, it's scary. Our our children have grown up, and you think they're digital natives. They've always had tech. They're going to be really savvy, and they're just not. And there is an element. There was none of this when when we were at school. We weren't we weren't taught on any of this. But I think our approach, we're far more streetwise than our children when it when it comes to tech. And then the other thing is, of course, the older generation. And you think about our parents and and so on. And I think when it comes to complacency, the the other element is people who think. Well, it won't be me. They won't attack me because, you know, I'm not worth enough. Why? Why would they? And that's just naive, actually. There's there's the types of cyber attacks where they are targeted, where a cyber criminal is saying, right, I'm coming after you and your business. And then there's the totally random, what we call spray and pray. Uh, attacks where they're just looking at a known vulnerability and they think there's hundreds of thousands of people with this vulnerability and we're just going to push at every door and some doors open and it doesn't actually matter how much money you've got the question is if somebody had access to whatever you had got you know if somebody had got into your bank account or, or whatever 
would you mind about that? And I can't imagine anyone who wouldn't mind about it. And then they've got leverage and they can they can talk about, okay, well, this is what you need to do in order for me to, to go away. And they may or may not go away. So what is it that we should be doing to protect ourselves, to protect our parents and, and our children? Keep talking about it, keep training. It's quite interesting. G- GDPR is what covers cybersecurity, and GDPR is one of those terribly dull subjects. And when GDPR came in, one of the things that it brought with it was mandatory cybersecurity training. But about two thirds of the UK don't do cybersecurity training. Now, the GDPR, the UK GDPR, as it became post-Brexit, encompassing the Data Protection Act, it continues to evolve. And in the last uh, major revision of it, one of the things that they changed was that all new staff have to have cybersecurity training within 30 days of starting employment and before they have access to any client data. Now, lots of companies aren't doing that, but one of the reasons is new employees are hounded. And that's where this 30-day thing comes in, because they think they won't be trained, and they don't yet know that their boss wouldn't ever... You know, a common scam, for example is a text message supposedly from your boss saying, I need you to go to the supermarket at lunchtime and buy me a whole load of gift cards. And I'm just about to go to a conference. Can you email me the claim codes? It's really, really common. I mean, I talk about this every week and there's always someone in the audience who said, oh yeah, no, we had that. And they don't, they don't yet know. And the cyber criminals use LinkedIn as one of their tools. People get a new job, they start a new position, they update their LinkedIn, and it broadcasts to the world that I'm starting a new job with this employer. So on day one of someone starting work for us, we say, you will will get approached from someone asking you to do something from one of the directors and just, you know, just know that no director is ever going to send you a message asking you to to go and buy something and it happens so training and talking about this is is part of it and repeating it because i think harvard harvard did a study that said that an intelligent person needs to hear something six times before they get it and i think that's really important to remember because you can you can think, okay, I've done this, I've, I've done a training course, or I've read a book, or, or whatever. Therefore, I know it. But you don't. You have to keep repeating it. And the other thing that I always say on that Harvard study is, if an intelligent person needs to hear something on average six times, not everyone that you work with is intelligent. So we have to we have to increase it even further the the other quote that i quite like around this was a galileo one and galileo said you can't learn anything that you don't know 
And I think that's fascinating as well, because sometimes you listen to a speaker or you're on a training course or whatever, and you think, I know this subject. And they'll say something, and you know you've heard that before, but that's the day the penny drops, and that's what Galileo's talking about. So we just have to we have to keep we have to keep this alive in terms of forefront of of mind, but also making the culture such that people are okay to talk about it and not not ashamed of when they're attacked. You know, within a business. We have to say, you will, at some point, someone in this business will be attacked. Hope it's not you, but if it is, don't try and cover it up. Just put your hand up as quickly as possible, and then we can deal with it. Yeah, and that's where it's so crucial to have that vulnerability awareness within an organization that people are aren't afraid to to stand up and say, I've been attacked and and feel that shame. It's a case of it could happen to anyone. Don't take it personally. I was going to ask you what constitutes an intelligent person. And, you know, how how is that defined? Do you know? No, I don't know. I don't know. I would, I personally, I would probably define it as someone who thinks. Okay. So with all you shared and knowing that it's that impact that you are creating and having this brilliant ripple effect of of knowledge being shared within an organization seeing the penny drop with your clients seeing how you can help people seeing how you can make the complex simple what is it that is now making you you feel truly alive again helping people understand who they are and what they want and the impact that they have on others. This is one of the things that comes out of the business school. It's, it's truly understanding who you are. And, and, you know, I always ask the question, what does it feel like to be on the receiving end of you? What is it, what is it like to experience you in whatever format that is? So that could be you as a line manager and sitting down to talk to somebody, or that could be you as a salesperson trying to pitch your wares. What does it feel like? And, and what does it, it feel like from the other person's perspective? And we talk about that. I also really encourage people to have intention pauses. And ahead of any call or any meeting or any conversation, just pause and think, what is my intent here? Because we live such busy lives and we go from one thing that is, you know, diametrically opposed to the next thing that you're going to do. And sometimes you you bring that baggage with you and you walk into a, to a meeting room, having just come away from something that's been really, really hard work. But actually, if you if you stop and you think about your intent and you think, well, actually, my intent here is to really motivate this group of people and let them know what a brilliant job they're doing, it does make you change your what you bring. It, it, it's not, you know, it's not whether you turn up, it's how you turn up. And I think that's really important for, for all of us to, to remember. That's brilliant. And those intention pauses. You spoke earlier about an intelligent person being someone who thinks. And 
taking time to think is crucial. It's it's so invaluable because as you say, we can just go through an autopilot and just keep going without actually taking those those time, those moments. And it doesn't have to be for long, but it's just, as you say, it, just a, a few moments just to say, right, what's coming up next? Uh, terrifying to think about what people feel like to be on the receiving end of me. <laughs> when I think about that, I was like, oh, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 there's probably quite a few things I'm going to have to check. <laughs> uh, but mostly, mostly it's a good, good uh, feeling, I would hope, for, to think, being on the receiving end of, of, of me. But it is all about emotion. Everything you've spoken about today has been about the feeling. Yes, thinking, but feeling in equal measures. Yes. Yes, that, that's a really interesting observation, but I, I think it's so important. So with that in mind, Rob, what is the long-term vision that you have? I mean, Ramsack it looks like a, a, a company that is built to for the inf infinite game. Yes, I think that for me, I love what I do so much. So many, so many people have said to me, I can't believe you're you're still doing this after 32 years. And, uh, you know, lots of people will have built the business and, and sold it and so on. But I just love what I do. And my role has changed and my approach has changed. And it's like when I just spoke to you about doing the, the business school and helping people understand themselves i think a younger version of me might have been wary of that because i might have thought you know i've invested in this member of staff and what if i feed them all this information that makes them realize actually they're on the wrong path but now i think that's so important you know you've got to help you've got to help people grow and and when i when I look back about at the number of staff that have come through the organization and we've we've set up and we've we've let them go and they're now incredibly successful people, sometimes in very different, very different fields. You know, the very, very first support person that I ever employed uh, is now a stockbroker. And I met him at at an event and he said, I just wouldn't be here if you hadn't taken a chance on me. And I love that. So the ability to give people a chance, help grow them, help them understand themselves and what they want and perhaps understand what their purpose is back to that that journey that I went on is 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 brilliant for for everybody. Purpose is invaluable. I, I am biased. I have a, a podcast called Focus on Why for that very reason. Absolutely. Absolutely. Maybe that's why we get on so well, Amy. Oh, thank you. Absolutely. Rob, how could people get in contact with you? What's the best way for them to reach out? So I have a personal website, which is thoughtprovoked.co.uk. And then my corporate website is ramsack.com, R-A-M. SAC. And why do you have your own personal brand? The personal brand is around my speaking and my books and so on outside of Ramsack. I think also when you 
when you speak as an individual known within the marketplace, you actually have far more impact than speaking purely with a, a corporate hat on. Uh, we had a, a product launch not so long ago. We we launched a, a product called Secure Plus, and I was looking at the social media side of it, and all the corporate messaging absolutely paled into insignificance when I look at the stuff that I put out under my own uh, my own persona. Yeah, it's it's a it's really interesting actually. People don't buy into the brands; they buy into the people, don't they? And the, the names are, become synonymous, but absolutely it's person first every time. Yes. Rob, Rob, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you about your focus on why. Really, really, truly enjoyed the conversation. Have you got some final words for the listener, please? I think if anybody can take the time to understand when they feel at their very best, when they get the most enjoyment, out of life or out of their work, then that's the start of understanding your purpose. And once you've identified it, you realise just how many decisions you made and that that was what was driving the decisions. And it's driven some of my decisions, but equally it helps me make others because when I'm faced with some choices, I think, well, does that feed into that sweet spot for me? So I would encourage everybody to try and understand that. How has this conversation had an impact on you? What value have you received from tuning in? What are your reflections with actions? Please take a moment to leave me an Apple podcast or Spotify review sharing how Focus on Why has made a difference to you today. Remember, the conversation doesn't end here. To keep it going, simply connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook or Twitter or join the Focus on Why Facebook group. All the links are in the show notes. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.